Hello and welcome to another edition of the Confession Box podcast. I'm here with Ruan Jones, journalist for the Irish Catholic newspaper. How are you doing, Ruan, today? Uh, we were talking about spring last week. It still is spring, but weather's cloudy today. It's not looking like spring. No, I suppose it's the ubiquitous reference to the weather. It even has to begin a news podcast. No, I'm getting on very well, Brandon. For, it's the Irish way. There's nothing else to talk about in our lives. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's the icebreaker. Um, it's either so- that or RTE, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, or the FAI today. It's it's a it's a, it's ever it's it's always it's perpetual. I think the scandals in Ireland. But anyway, uh, that's that's why we're talking about the weather. I suppose maybe light-hearted things. But um, so yes, we're going to continue on now with uh, discussing the Irish Catholic in this week, and there are a lot of topics that uh, originate from a lot of the pieces here, and uh, spe- specifically with the front uh, page piece here, Ruan. Um, it's a very sensitive issue, and it's uh, the government's approach to people with disabilities in Ireland and whether they're given the requisite supports and protections that they need. Now, of course, it's it's even more pressing and even more topical, given the fact that we're having a ref, we're having two referendums, we're having a referenda which proposes um, changes on two constitutional uh, items in the constitution, uh, one pertaining to, to, to carers, and a lot of dis- disabled people rely on carers as well. And we're told that, you know, with if, if this is passed, uh, carers and people with disabilities will be given more supports. Um, but one man here, Ruan uh, Julta, uh, who is um, who's involved in an NGO, is he? I think he's involved in... in, in he's CEO of Christian Blind Mission. Christian Blind Mission. So he has a very intimate knowledge there of, um, I suppose, the government's approach to to people who avail of the services uh, in his organisation. Um, so what is he saying? He, he's not too convinced that the government is doing all they can for people with disabilities and that there's maybe a deficit there in, in their approach. Yeah, so uh, Julton Rockneen, who is CEO of Christian Blind Mission, he's warned that that the government is really forgetting people with disabilities, uh, that it's failed to make any progress on substantive issues on disability inclusion, and that really people with disabilities are, are left as secondary in Irish life. And he was responding to a report, a really stark report, from the Oireachtas, Joint Oireachtas Committee on Disability Matters, uh, which really showed that there's actually been, not, not just that there's been delays in progress since about 2018 when Ireland ratified a UN agreement on persons with disabilities, but also that there's been regression in certain areas. And what uh, Mr. Rockneen highlights is areas around right to life, accessibility and mobility. And as you say, there's a number of things going on that, that pertain really closely to the lives of people with disabilities. You have the referendum on care in the constitution, which, you know, some the government argue that is going to strengthen mm. provision of care to people with disabilities, while uh, others such as Senator Tom Clonan su- suggest that, no, this is actually really going to give the, the state a get out of jail free, especially when you consider that, as this report highlights and as Mr. Rockney is saying, the government isn't doing enough already for people with disabilities. I mean, you think about it, we've what have we actually done that's affected positively the lives of people with disabilities? There have been in some areas, but if you look at, I mean, something Mr. Rockney points out, we have abortion, which has directly affected many lives of people with disabilities. We have discussions on dying with dignity, as it's euphemistically called, but on euthanasia, which will really put a great burden on people with disabilities, make them make them feel that their lives are burdensome. And then lastly, this referendum on care. And I mean, really, we have to be thinking not, you know, how can people die with dignity but actually what are we doing to help them live well what is the government doing to help them live well and unfortunately it's it's it seems to be leaving people with disabilities behind mm. and it doesn't bode well i suppose because he was saying that yes there has been progress there and commendable progress in 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 some respects um 
you know, and and there are there are uh, entitlements and uh, to to people with disabilities who are being given some support, but it's not going far enough. And in relation to the program for government, I think he's also saying that maybe they've only completed or successfully achieved half of their intentions there and objectives. So how does this bode? I suppose if like in in, in a hypothetical situation where the two um, pr- proposals are passed in in the referenda. And people are now even, you know, they're, they're being told that there's going to be a wider availability there for care and accessibility. But we already know that government is lacking, you know, and is lagging behind on its on its um, entitlements to people in, in relation to care. So it doesn't really bode well, you know, that we have a program for government here that's only maybe half completed. And we're getting to the last year, the final year of the government. Uh, in this current iteration of the government, yeah, I mean, Julia uh, Rowney is he's really calling on the government to take to take note of this mm. report and actually to make put in some action here because the the this people with disabilities they're not getting the investment they deserve, they're not getting the attention they deserve, their lives are really being ignored. I mean, he's really talking about very basic issues of in terms of accessibility, in terms of mobility mm. and independence, and that if we're not actually facilitating these for people with disabilities, we're not treating them as equals in our society, and functionally that is what is the case. Now, the government had a strategy for um, inclusion, disability inclusion, but that ended in 2022, and they really need to move forward and progress on a new strategy, a new vision that would take into account this committee's report, and then would also look at the international picture as well, because Ireland has no specific our strategy or policy on disability inclusion in terms of its approach to foreign affairs, in terms of its approach to sustainable development. And so both in the home front and abroad, Ireland has a lot to do to make itself a, a truly inclusive society for people with disabilities. Yeah, simple message. If, if you're proposing more more well additional entitlements and benefits for, for, for people with disabilities and carers, I think you should complete what you have already promised. So it's really simple. You can't, you can't go proposing more when you haven't, when, when, there, when there's... Uh, I suppose, incomplete uh, promises uh, that are sitting on your desk now. So, um, you know, we're having also issue, uh, issues, Ruan, in, in Ireland in relation to drugs. And we're all aware of the widespread uh, usage and availability of drugs in Ireland, particularly uh, for the younger cohort uh, in Ireland. And uh, there's a particular issue now that's, that's ongoing uh, in a cathedral in Belfast, um, where there's widespread drug abuse uh, on the grounds of the cathedral. Now, you have um, questioned uh, the priest in relation to if this is just an individual problem, if this is an isolated incident, or if, there, uh, if, this, is, if this is replicated across uh, other church grounds across Belfast. You got an answer to say that it was maybe an isolated incident, but we're all well aware of the widespread use and abuse of drugs. So what is this priest saying um, in relation to the drug abuse that has taken place on the grounds of, of the cathedral and what uh, measures are they doing? Are they, are, they, are, they, um, are they involving themselves in to tackle it? Yeah, so this is quite unfortunate circumstance for St. Peter's Cathedral in Belfast and particularly for their youth centre, St. Peter's Immaculata. So I, I spoke to Stephen Hughes, who is a senior youth worker there, who said that, you know, children as young as seven have been coming across needles, been coming across drug paraphernalia and, and some pretty frightening, as he described it, uh, drugs themselves. I mean, they've been having to bleach the grounds where they found cocaine, they found marijuana, they found even uh, drugs called uh, pregabalin, which mm. is nicknamed buds, a very powerful and, mm. and very dangerous narcotic. So uh, Mr. Hughes uh, spoke and, you know, he spoke very sensitively on the issue. He's quite concerned for obviously the health mm. of the drug users, but he's really asking them, look, you have to move on from here. There's 
the there's sort of the life and safety of children are actually at stake here and they deserve these children deserve a safe place i mean if no if its cathedral ground isn't safe then then where is uh, and he's been engaging mr hughes been engaging with the psni who he really commended for their work they've increased patrols in the area and also at a local charity extern who have included the, the cathedral in their route but i mean really i think that there's it needs to be considered here is, is also wraparound services because a number of these men and women who are suffering from from addiction they are homeless and they're making use of homelessness shelters in in the areas and it's when these shelters you know these these care for them overnight but then during the day there's no wraparound service and so i think there really has to you have to consider these issues when you're providing homelessness services and similar that you know this is a community wide endeavor uh, you know the community cares for the homeless people uh, and this is why they've encouraged these services to be in place but then these services have to give back as well so that for children for uh, parents that there would be safe spaces for safe places for children to grow up and i mean as you said there's a wider issue of drug use in in ireland across the island and it really does point i think to a lot of, of the breakdown of our of our social networks really in many ways that many people feel disenfranchised and have no investment in what's around them they've no real vocation or call to take part in something higher or beyond themselves and so they're really looking for for short-term fixes and it's very difficult once you get locked into that to to come out of it but as i say i mean like this is not just a case of you know oh a few people with say mental health difficulties mm. or something getting trapped in this this is wider i mean you're seeing it a lot in in middle class circles as well i mean the amount of cocaine usage in ireland has, has shot up and particularly in rural communities where where people i think can be quite isolated so it really does point to the fact that actually if if we want to tackle these problems yes there's a social case there's a a judicial case here but there's also a cultural one as well where we actually have to take into account well what's driving people towards this and a lot of it is the fact that they they, they lack for meaning in their lives mm. and in terms of i suppose specifically in relation to churches and setting a precedent in response to to drug use and uh, visible signs of drug use taking place on premises on church premises because i know on the north side in dublin the pro cathedral there is a lot of antisocial behavior there and activity and there's still from what i can see there hasn't been any material change to that at all are there any as i said measures there being implemented or administered by the church because are the cathedral in belfast to try and really curb this issue because like it is a sensitive issue we're aware that the church should welcome all and it should be you know um compassionate towards people who are suffering but there also should be you know an adequate response in relation to, to antisocial behavior drug paraphernalia being strewn across the ground because as you said children are picking them up so uh had the well have the uh, cathedral said anything to you in relation to actually really you know eradicating this scourge well i mean they're engaging with all they can do really is engage oh. with the psni engage with uh, char- charities who work with the with people suffering from addiction and and that's what they've done so far they're also talking to the children about uh, safety around drug paraphernalia and drugs and not to be picking things up yeah. and and to leave them be and they also look trying to work with with local homelessness charities and the like to address the issue so they're they're taking a broad approach to this and as i say with sensitivity to the needs of of uh, those suffering from addictions but i mean their primary care is for is for their children and especially the youth center which look provides a haven in what can be quite a quite difficult area you know on the falls road i, I believe it's on so i mean you are, you are talking about uh, children who are disadvantaged themselves and and 
youth clubs, youth groups, they provide a real haven, a real point of contact with the community and a chance for children to grow and, and that should be protected and nourished. Of course, yeah. Um, so more of a feature now. I think it's honestly, I think it's the inaugural time we've we've discussed a feature uh, on this podcast, and uh, it's a very interesting feature. And it's almost it's a reflective of a sort of paradigm shift in the Vatican and the Vatican's uh, response to popular culture, Ruan. And it's something, that, of course, you would have a particular expertise on, and that is the realm of film. So this popcorn with the Pope uh, feature in the Irish Catholic, we we learn Ruan of a shift in the Vatican's mindset in relation to popular culture, so art, music, but in this particular instance, it's 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 a film. And we've also learned that the Vatican has composed a, a list of films that it has deemed, I suppose, interesting or of cultural significance. Um, so what are these films? What are some of these films? Take us uh, uh, on, on a journey, if you will, of some of these films and why they're included and the, the basis for their inclusion. And also what this means for the church and its relationship with popular culture into the next few years and decades. Yeah, so what's what's brought this to mind is a new book, Popcorn with the Pope, which uh, reads or rather and analyzes and gives a bit of insight into the Vatican film list, a list that came out in 1995 to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the first public showing or public screening of a film way back in 1895. And the list was gathered together and given the title, Some Important Films. So there's 45 films in three categories, art, religion and values. 15 in each and that's really quite an eclectic list now i mean just to take you through a little bit of the history of the the church's relation with with the medium of a film i mean interestingly if you go back to the 1890s right to the birth of of cinema you have uh, pope leo the 13th famously being uh, filmed arriving on a carriage and giving mm. his his blessing to the camera and yeah. fun- so uh, pope leo the 13th has a, a sort of claim to fame as being the man with the earliest known birth date on film, so these, he was born in the early 1800s and uh, that and was filmed in his I think his 90s or so. And this film was actually very popular on the circuit in America. It would tour around, they'd bring it, uh, but it was it was a bit controversial with the Vatican because it was often shown at vaudeville houses and uh, disreputable yeah. centers. Yeah. Um, but then actually, film relied quite heavily because it was a new medium. It relied quite heavily on known stories at the time. So if you look at a lot of the early films, the longest or the early sort of feature, feature length, I mean, talking 45 minutes plus, a lot of these relied on religious texts, either the Gospels themselves or Dante's Inferno or Quo Vadis, a, a very popular historical novel at the time. And actually, I mean, there's quite a funny story about in, I think, the early 1900s, a big businessman in New York wanted to film a sort of biblical extravaganza and imported camels and everything and was illegally shooting on top of a new york hotel and just sneaking the camels up the elevator but it was it was snowing at the time so you had all these poor camels just freezing Mm. and it ended up being quite a a flop but even then through then you come up to the to the 40s and 50s you have a lot of biblical epics um and a lot of them it has to be said by cecil b demille the famous ten commandments and things like these i mean demille was probably famous for being more interested in the orgies than perhaps the sanctity mm. of uh, what he was showing. But yeah. still, there was there was an appetite for biblical stories mm. at the time. Uh, but the Vatican's actual engagement with film was, I suppose, quite limited in the sense that there was, in America at least, what was called the Legion of Decency. Yeah. And 
really Which this... probably is self-explanatory yeah in terms of its pre- purpose and its functions it, it was yeah. it was basically a censorship program yeah. they would watch films and if it was given um i think it was a c or an nc rating mm. or similar that would mean that it was not suitable yeah. not deemed suitable for consumption by the catholic yeah. catholic public um so this this film this in 1995 shows quite i mean that's so sorry the legion of decency that was active right up to the 1980s mm. um this 15 years later comes out from the vatican a very eclectic list of films which actually includes a number of those which were deemed unsuitable so fellini's uh federico fellini the famous italian filmmaker his eight and a half um a, a sort of strange biopic about his life um was included both in the as a condemned list and also on the Vatican list. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really quite an interesting list. So you have quite a, an avant-garde selection in there. And I mean, a lot of the films I've are... noticed that, yeah. Films I wouldn't particularly associate with the Catholic Church or nor would I believe that the Pope would be kind of readily sitting down to watch them, you know? But <laughs> who knows? Who it's, knows? It's yeah. hard to imagine any Pope sitting down to watch a five-hour silent film about yeah. the life of Napoleon, yeah, but yeah, that yeah. makes it onto the list as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas some of the others, it's a bit clearer, you know, the life, the passion of Joan of Arc, a really yeah. passionate and impressive religious film, or, or Death, which is a really direct effort to, to represent um, a miracle on screen. Mm. So there's, and then, but then you also have at the other end of the spectrum, you have, the like of Nazarene by Louis Bunuel, who was a real, controversially was a Marxist and uh, an opponent of the church in many ways. But this was his real effort to grapple with the question of faith from the perspective of someone who was basically an atheist. But you can see from what I'm saying here that the Vatican came in with quite an open mind and what they were choosing on this list. And so in the religion section, you have films which would be more expressive of a devotional outlook. So something like Babette's Feast, from the 1980s, a Danish film. I'd really encourage everyone to start there. It's Pope Francis's favorite film. And it's a really charming um, insight into religious life, yeah. both the, the spiritual and even a sacramental element as well. Mm. Uh, but then on the other end of the scale, you have something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is under the, the art section and really has, I would say, very little moral value in yeah. a certain respect. Mm. It's quite a confusing and confused mm. film, but it's also a real visual masterpiece. Yeah. And one which I think can be cherished in many ways, or at least enjoyed. And interpreted, I suppose, in a way of maybe kind of symbolizing the transcendental, maybe. Who knows? You're getting into very vague and, you know, kind of abstract theories. But I'm trying to understand and kind of gauge reasons why, uh, the reasons to why some films were included in the list. I'm just trying to think, is it is it kind of that, you know, the, the symbol of maybe elevating into space and kind of the metaphor there who knows i'm trying to i'm just trying to be pseudo sorry yeah that's all right suits corner no i think really what the the vatican is trying to make a sort of an approach to is the fact that different people approach art in different ways so you have someone who approach it from a moral point Mm. of view someone from a religious or devotional aspect yeah and others who have wanted to view it from an appreciation of beauty Mm. and i mean look it's not a straight uh, demarcation all the time some of the most beautiful films on this list are in the religion section mm. and some beautiful films are quite religious in a certain sense yeah. but it's trying to make quite a sophisticated case for what art actually signifies and what it means so I think it's a very approachable list because at the other end of the spectrum you've It's a Wonderful Life a Christmas classic yes. but something that you see it on this list and think oh I just sort of thought it was a bit of popcorn or whatever yeah. but actually go back and rewatch it now and consider it in in a different light it's a hidden beauty a hidden yeah. beauty mm. stagecoach 1939 the classic western that made mm. john wayne a star uh, fantasia you have an animation from mm. disney yeah. so i mean it's really quite an eclectic list yeah. Schindler's list from more recent times uh, and so it's one that i think you can go through you can pick out one or two that you think okay this is where i might start and 
ease your way into some of the, the trickier or more challenging films. I mean, you won't like all of them. This is the thing. There's some films on the list. I really don't understand why they're there. Yeah, and there's all. no. Is there any explanation provided in some of them, or is no? It just, I mean, it's the list is sort of list is sort of mysterious. Yeah. No one really knows where it came mm. from. Like it was published by the one of the dicasteries, I think, for social communication. Yeah, but no one actually knows specifically who was behind it, yeah. whose idea it was. Yeah, um, and it, it sort of disappeared for a while, and now is only being reclaimed as Catholics. I think with a degree of confidence, are trying to approach modern culture and the arts in a new way and to encourage a good appreciation of art and also to encourage Catholic artists as well because I think we can be quite closed off I mean Flannery O'Connor writes the famous Catholic writer from the 60s writes about this a lot that we we, we don't know how to read we don't know how to watch films as not only as Catholics but she was talking specifically about Catholics here that a lot of the time we approach them oh for a moral lesson or else to really look out oh there's obscenity there I don't yeah. like this Whereas actually she's saying, you know, you've got to come in with a bit of the eyes of the artist. Mm. What the artist wants to do is really see the world and you want to see the world through their eyes. And you mightn't agree, you mightn't even like it, but that's actually the purpose here is to be a good work of art. So, no, it's a really fascinating list and, and one I'd encourage people to check out. It's easily available online if you just look up the Vatican film list. And we actually in the Irish Catholic have, have reviewed a number of the films on that list. So you can go back to the archives if you want to have a bit of guidance on what to approach or how to approach them. So from my my interpretation is there is that the Vatican is out with the censorious moral crusades against heretical art and 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 you know fandangled uh, culture and maybe it's it's more embracing now who knows it might it might it might be uh, art might be redeeming in the Vatican's eyes who knows but yeah there you go I saw your your eyes uh, light up when we were about to discuss it because I know it is it, it is uh, so you're an enthusiast of, of film so very interesting list and I would recommend everybody have a look at that piece there it's uh, page 16 to 17 in this week's edition of the Irish Catholic thank you very much for joining us and coming along uh, we hope uh, you enjoyed the podcast and uh, again it's going to become a weekly staple so hope you can join us next week and until then uh, enjoy your weekend bye bye